Welcome to the latest episode of the Real World Nutrition Podcast. This is episode 119, addressing fad diets and then how to embrace sustainable eating. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Real World Nutrition Podcast. This is Shelly Rael, the host and founder of Real World Nutrition and a registered dietitian nutritionist. And this year, or this year, this episode, I want to address the world of diets and talk about the truth about fad diets and how to spot their red flags. And then also address how we can change to a sustainable eating approach, meaning sustainable eating approach, meaning something that we can do for life, building these steps to have a healthy and balanced approach to eating no matter where we are. So let me dive right into this. I know it's the beginning of the year, of course. That's why I'm doing this episode or this topic, because there are so many ads right now for the latest diets and supplements and various programs to help with weight loss. But I want to just say this, as a dietitian, this isn't something I see just at the beginning of the year. I see it year-round. People are asking me questions all the time about what they can do to help with the weight loss. Does this work? Does that work? And when I say, when people tell me, well, this diet worked for me, I really have to ask them, what do you mean by worked for you? What is your goal? And if it worked, why are you looking for another diet? So here's the thing is a lot of times these various diets that people go on do provide some weight loss. However, it's not sustainable, meaning it's not a way of eating that can be done long-term or people do these diets temporarily and then return to prior eating habits and the weight tends to return. So with all these promises there, all these promises of this diet is the one that works, whatever that means to you, promises that you can get weight loss you desire, even promises of miraculous changes with ease. I, I want to address all these nuances here. This confusing, there's a lot of confusion here. And it could be anything from keto to paleo to intermittent fasting to other names. And I'm not saying that these are all necessarily bad. Lots of people say and have told me they work for them and they've kept weight off for a long time. But I want to address what I mean by fad diets, why they capture our attention, how to find what works best for you. And is it because everyone else is doing it that people are attracted to it or because it actually works for long-term sustainable eating. So let me define what a fad diet is. So I say a fad diet is like a trendy outfit. It may look great initially, but it's not designed for the long term. So these diets tend to promote rapid weight loss. So that's the key, rapid weight loss and instant health benefits. So you may have heard of some of these before. That could be like the cabbage soup diet juice cleanses, and extremely low carbohydrate plans. And when I say extremely low, 
talking less than 30 grams of carbohydrates a day. Along with other approaches to eating fewer calories and various gimmicks to eat fewer calories, and some of these are often very low calorie. So these trendy fad diets, they're nothing new. Uh, We could go back 100 years and learn about various approaches to eating to promote weight loss. It's a lot of times just the same diet with a different name. So for example, when people ask me about Atkins or paleo or keto, really the approach for all of those is really very, very similar with just a different name. And people may say, no, 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 no. But if you read one of Dr. Atkins' books, any of Dr. Atkins' books over the last 50 years, he did talk about measuring ketones in urine. And that's just a different approach from the ketogenic diet or the one where people want to be in ketosis. So why are these so popular? Why are these fad diets or these various diet approaches so popular? Well, if you're human, you get this. The appeal for our desire for a quick fix, instant gratification, and immediate, even if temporary, results. So we want the results immediately even if we can acknowledge that they may be temporary. And in a society where our time is limited, that promise of shedding pounds in a matter of days without much work is irresistible. But that honeymoon phase with fad diets is usually short-lived, and they rarely provide sustainable or long-term weight loss. So as I said earlier, once the diet is stopped, the weight often returns. If they worked well and permanently, we wouldn't hear about a new one every few months or every few years. If these diets worked long-term, people wouldn't be seeking a new one again and again. So I want to address some of the signs of a fad diet. So what we call red flags of a fad diet. So 10 signs of a fad diet. So this is one of these things where it's like, well, how do you distinguish a fad diet from one that is a genuinely healthy approach to eating? Because I do get questions about some diets like the Mediterranean diet or the DASH diet, which are a genuinely healthy approach to eating. Well, from a fad diet perspective, there are warning signs. You just need to look for them and pay attention. So people tend to have a bias. These red flags may be there. People may acknowledge that they're there, but choose to ignore them because they want that quick fix. So if a diet promises a rapid transformation without considering long-term health, restricts an entire food group, or relies on testimonials rather than scientific evidence, then these are red flags. So here are the 10 things to watch for. Number one, rapid promises. So if a diet promises lightning fast results without solid scientific backing, be wary because sustainable changes take time. Extreme elimination. So this is number two, extreme elimination. Diets that eliminate entire food groups 
can lead to nutrient deficiencies. So a balanced diet includes a variety of foods from various food groups for optimal health. So the food groups are divided up because of the various nutrient profiles those food groups provide. And that's an important thing to consider. Number three, what we say call testimonial overload. So yes, success stories are awesome. They're amazing. They're inspiring. But relying solely on testimonials rather than evidence, rather than scientific evidence, is a red flag there. So look for credible research. Look for the small print. It's there. So on my television, I'll pause it and look at the small print at the bottom. In ads, look for the small print. It's there. And even in radio or podcast ads, there's a super fast speaker. Somebody who talks really fast, and I know I talk fast, but it's almost like it's on three times speed because it's got these dis- discla- disclaimers that you can barely understand, but they're there. Number four, one size fits all. So I just always hate to see this because people think they're maybe in a group of 30 people and they all are asking about the same diet. And I was like, it doesn't work for everybody. It's not the same for everybody. Everybody is unique. And a diet that claims to work for everyone might overlook individual needs and differences. That's where I say, you know, having a pescatarian diet may be great, but if you don't like fish, that's not going to work for you. So I tell people, think about this as how cars have different sized tires and different types of oil. They're all cars, like we're all humans, not the same, but different because yes, we've all our same basic structure. We have some same basic needs, but the nuances are different. And to suggest that the same approach works for everyone is not accurate. I've been doing this a long time. No one has the exact same needs. Number five, overemphasis on supplements. So a diet that requires a load of supplements may signal an imbalance or nutrient deficiencies. So really foods and ideally whole foods or minimally processed foods, but that doesn't always have to be the case, but it should be the primary source of our nutrients. And supplements should have a minor supporting role. This one, number six, one, two, three, four, five, six, I believe this is too good to be true. This one, you know the old saying, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So diets promising effortless, effortless weight loss usually lack sustainability. It really, you can't do it for long time. You can't do it for a lifetime. You can't do it on vacation. And really a lot of times, if it sounds too good to be true, whether it's a diet or something else, that's a red flag. Number seven, lack of emphasis on exercise. So sustainable health involves more than just diet. Diet and exercise are two sides of the same coin. I say this all the time. And a well-rounded approach includes regular physical activity. And if the diet says you don't do exercise, that means you're probably not getting enough nutrients 
to sustain that. All right, number eight, obsession with numbers. So focusing solely on calorie counting or extreme portion control can lead to an unhealthy relationship with food. So yes, you can do calorie counting, you can do portion control, but really when you are micromanaging is where that unhealthy relationship with food is. Now, I do acknowledge that they, I do track things in my diet, in my day-to-day intake. That's because I'm focusing on a specific nutrient that I have been paying attention to. So for example, if I'm like feeling I'm not getting enough fiber, I take a look and track for a little bit. Am I getting the fiber I need? If not, I know I need to address things. If I am, then I move on. So obsession with numbers where you are counting, counting, counting. Number eight, I have lost track. Sorry, everyone. I've lost track of what number I'm on. So here's it. The next one, no room for indulgences. So a rigid diet without room for an occasional treat may not be sustainable in the long run. So if you want to celebrate an anniversary, you want to celebrate a birthday, you want to celebrate anything, you want to have a piece of chocolate. If your diet doesn't allow that, if this diet says you can't have that, that's not a good idea. Moderation is key. So I always say, if there's a list of foods that say no or off limits, that's not a good sign. Drastic changes overnight. So a plan that demands a radical overhaul of your eating habits overnight is unlikely to be maintainable. So gradual changes are more likely to stick. So I've seen TV shows and things where the trainer goes into the house and just purges all kinds of stuff from the pantry and the fridge and the freezer. One, it's just terrible food waste in my opinion. But at the same time, let's ease off and Stop with all the shaming about this and stop buying it. I tell people, hey, if you want to go healthier, just finish what you've got, but don't buy it again. And then here's another one. Are there flu-like symptoms related to the diet or extreme fatigue or not feeling well? So there's sometimes where about four or five, 10 days in of some of these diet plans, People have flu-like symptoms. They feel terrible. And people say, well, that's just your body purging toxins. No, it isn't. It isn't. Well, one, go back to episode 118 about detoxes. But really, I tell people, it's your body crying for help. It is not feeling good because it's usually not getting the nutrients it needs. It's not getting the fuel it needs. So I tell people to watch for these red flags and you're better equipped to identify fad diets and steer clear of some of these quick fix solutions that really often do more harm than good. So sustainable changes are the cornerstone to a healthier lifestyle. So let me switch gears and talk about embracing sustainable eating. So the best approach or a more sensible approach is sustainable eating. And this is a way of eating that isn't a temporary fix, but really an approach and a lifestyle that you can embrace, whether you're at home, whether you're dining out, or whether you're traveling anywhere. 
And sustainable eating isn't about deprivation, but it's about providing nutrients that your body needs through food and that fuels you in the long run. So I say think fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and proteins, and creating a variety on your plate that doesn't eliminate any particular food group. So it's a mindset that really embraces moderation and portions, where you have to measure things, but just looking at the plate and seeing appropriate portions and allowing you to enjoy the foods you love, hopefully without guilt. So let me give you some tips on building a sustainable eating blueprint here. So creating this approach to healthy eating or a healthier approach to eating is more than choosing the so-called right foods, but developing habits that nourish your body and enjoying the foods you love. So I'm going to give you steps here to build a balanced and sustainable eating blueprint. So number one, mindful eating. Mindful, sorry, not mindful eating, mindful meal planning. And that's where I say, let's start by building your meals with mindfulness. So consider nutrient-dense foods and a rainbow of fruits and veggies with your meals, a diverse range of nutrients to help you have balance. So rather than just saying, I'm going to have chicken on Tuesday and salmon on Wednesday and meat on Thursday, saying, I'm going to make a beef stew with extra carrots and green beans, as well as potatoes. I'm going to make salmon, but I'm also going to make a side dish and some vegetables. So a side dish that could be quinoa or rice and steamed broccoli or whatever works for you. Portion and moderation, portion control and moderation. So again, I say, let's not be measuring everything, but be mindful of serving sizes and pay attention to your body's hunger and fullness cues. So enjoying your favorite treats in moderation is critical to a sustainable approach. Number three here, consistent meal times. So I'm not going to tell you what time to eat, but really establishing a consistent meal time throughout the day for yourself that helps regulate your body's internal clock and helping with digestion and energy levels. So I say, let's say, aim for balanced meals, healthy snacks, and have it mapped out so it provides a steady of supply of nutrients throughout the day and finding what works best for you. So whether that's the six small meal approach, a three meal approach, two main meals, snacks, whatever pattern works for your lifestyle is the best one for you. Now, this is one that I always remind people, people know this, but they don't always think about it, water as a foundation, or more specifically, hydration as a foundation. Water or calorie-free fluids is the foundation of a healthy lifestyle, and that prioritizing the hydration helps with keeping us feeling more satisfied throughout the day, and even if we're still hungry, which of course we will be, that water is still helpful for so much of our health and wellness. So opt for water or calorie-free fluids, as I said, over beverages without added sugars. 
opt for water or calorie, calorie, why am I having a hard time today? Calorie free, no calories over sugary beverages. So cut, let's cut the sugar in our beverages. Incorporating whole foods. So as I say, whole or minimally processed foods really should be the basis of our meals. So fruits, vegetables, as I said, grains, and proteins, healthy fats. So when I say minimally processed, it, it's okay. I My meat, my beef, definitely processed. I'm not, don't have a cow in the backyard. I buy that already dealt with for me. But I mean, where there's something where you don't even know what it really originated from. There's some cereals I didn't know were based out of from oats. So that's what I'm referring to there. So these minimally processed foods help us with having vitamins, minerals, and especially with the plant foods, fiber. So you don't need to eliminate processed foods. So why, some of my two favorite processed foods are yogurt and peanut butter. They have their place in our overall diet as well. And then some flexibility in your sustainable approach to eating. Flexibility is key. Your eating plan should be flexible enough to adapt. Allow yourself freedom to enjoy meals out. Allow yourself occasional indulgences. Allow for spontaneity of life while maintaining an overall healthy pattern. If you're not going to ever eat out again, great. Is that realistic? Is that sustainable? Not likely. So make sure that your approach to eating allows for such things. Listen to your body. A lot of us say this. What does this mean? Really, your body is constantly giving you signals that you're full, that you're hungry, that you should stop eating. And I really help people with avoiding emotional eating or minimizing emotional eating by finding alternative ways to cope with stress or boredom. Regular physical activity. So yes, you don't need to join a gym or no, you don't need to join a gym. Some people like it, some people don't. But really, a balanced approach to health includes what you eat and how you move. And incorporating regular physical activity into your routine, whether it's walking, jogging, dancing, strength training or weightlifting or yoga, any activity that you enjoy, that contributes to our overall well-being and complements a healthy eating plan. So these are things that you can incorporate into your daily life. You can start with some of the steps or you can may already be doing many of those. But this is a way to building a sustainable eating blueprint that nourishes your body and fosters a positive relationship with food. So it's a creating a lifestyle that you can live with, not following rigid rules. So I want to wrap up today by saying if you are ready to stop this approach of following the latest fad diets or the latest diet trends and talk more in depth about your approach to sustainable eating. As I do every every time I have a podcast episode, there's a link in the show notes to schedule a free 30-minute discovery call with me where we can discuss how you can cultivate a healthier approach to eating, how I can help facilitate that for you, 
and one that doesn't involve temporary fixes or rigid rules, but embraces a balanced approach and an enjoyable relationship with food without this diet mindset. All right, everyone, thanks for sticking with me today on this episode of the Real World Nutrition Podcast. I know this one was a little bit longer than usual. I would love to have your feedback. If you like these longer ones, you like the shorter ones, or a mix of both, certainly let me know. And while you are there, while you're there to give me some feedback, I would love if you would give me a rating or review and click that follow button on whatever application you are listening to this on so I can get some feedback from you. And that is it for this week's episode of the Real World Nutrition Podcast. You all take care and bye for now.